All right, guys, welcome back. We are uh, we're gonna record another podcast here live from the old kitchen. Um, this one I I talked with Ben about. We actually filmed one earlier today. Um, ben is still in school, finishing up. How many weeks you got? Four weeks. He's got four weeks of school left. Um, I'm counting the days down because uh, it is a reminder when when it's a reminder to me like. Over break, what was it? You were with us for about six week. weeks. Oh, the like big Christmas break. break. Yeah, yeah, like six five weeks. Or six weeks. Like five or six weeks, Ben was here pretty much every day. Um, we did, you know, I, they weren't always super long days, but it was like we always had them around. Um, our team, we're a pretty small team here, and it really, it, everyone is really necessary in order for us to move and, and operate smoothly. And so I got really used to Ben being here regularly over Christmas break and or holiday break or Christmas, New Year's type. I don't know. He was here for was it was it Christmas. It was winter break. winter break, but it was like January. Yeah. So basically the whole month and then a little week on the on the end of both ways. So anyway, he's he is back in school his last semester. And it's a re, it's a reminder to me, man, it just it is tough to get. The stuff we have so many projects going right now, and there's, it's tough to get the stuff done that we need to get done. So, um, I'm counting. I'm literally counting down the days, looking forward to the time when he gets back out of school. Um, I'm excited for him. I think it's a big step for him to be able to get past that um, from a from a graduation standpoint. But then, I'm just pumped because I feel like, man, we're really going to be able to move on some of the projects that he's been a real key part of for years now. But now it's like we can really accelerate. So. I'm, I'm, we're with that changing of that season. It kind of comes with, all right, so we're moving past our winter break. We're moving past winter. We're coming into spring. Um, spring is our workshop season. Uh, We call it a workshop season around here. Um, I've, again, team, we're starting talking about team stuff. Um, we've got a great team of friends that help us put these workshops on. The workshops are full right now. We filled up our foundation workshop relatively quickly this year, quickest we've ever filled it. Um, both May and June f- was full now for a couple weeks. Um, those are foundation workshops. And then we've got a next steps workshop, and that one is actually coming up next weekend. Um, that one is for anyone who's taken a workshop prior to. You got to at least take one foundation workshop, and some people take more than one. I have a couple people coming back this year for their second and one for their third. So I, I think. You know, it's not like it's a limitation of you can only do it once, but once you do do it, you have the concepts, you have the understanding, you have the, the, the general information. And then I think it allows us to do stuff at the next steps workshop. It's not advanced. I'd never call it advanced because some of the dogs are further along than they were at the foundation workshop. Some are not, and that's okay. Next steps means just that next steps, not advanced. So we've got that coming up in a, not this weekend, but the following weekend. And I'm excited about it. Um, it's inspiring. These workshops are inspiring to me because of the people we meet, because the people we revisit with, those that we've already met, um, a chance to catch up. So I, but it, what it does is it kicks off our, our, the changing of the seasons from a weather standpoint. And it allows us, it allows me, gives me a, a goal, a timeline to aim for from a training perspective. Like I want my dogs to be sharp at those. I, we're going to use those dogs for demonstration stuff. There's a lot of times where handlers don't have dogs that are old enough or far enough along as far as training. And I've always said that these aren't spectator sports. This is something that in order to really get 
to be a good handler, it's about a big part of it is understanding the right feel, the way it feels. And you can't do that by watching. You can't do that by watching YouTube. You can't do that by listening to podcasts. You can get a lot of information and you can get a lot of things to think about, but there's a real difference between watching it, hearing it, reading about it, and doing it. And that can be, you know, the perfect example of that is watch professional sports and tell me how simple those games look and how easy it is to see things from your living room, lazy boy, couch, futon, wherever it is you're watching your TV. It's, it's very different when you put a ball in your hand. So like, I think sometimes we have to have a little bit of, um, a little more respect toward, to, to those that have honed those skills and actually can execute them. Same can be said, I think, about handling dogs. Like there's a, there's a real, there's a lot of moving parts there that have to line up in order for it to work well and feel is one of them. And so as we get into the workshops, these, those workshops are great opportunities. The best opportunities I think we can offer to truly help an individual become a better handler. They're not directed towards training dogs. They're directed towards training trainers, helping handlers have better understanding mechanics and, and overall, um, philosophy type stuff so that they can then go and and work on it for years months whatever it is following the workshop so we got so there's this changing of seasons around here and it's it's exciting to me i I, the weather's getting better um we're able to do different things and and so that that starts this podcast off but it's going to maybe seem like, and maybe I feel like, maybe it doesn't seem like it to you yet, but I feel it in my head right now, like all these things I'm jumping around with. Because I've got, I don't have like a defined outline or agenda for this podcast. When Ben came up here, I said, well, what should we do next? I've got a thousand email questions that we can go through. Or what about like some of the stuff that we got going on right now? Because we've done a lot of those in the past, and I think it's nice to mix it up that way. And I started thinking, I said, have we done one about Cali yet? And he's like, I don't know that we really have. So he looked, I don't think we have. I don't think we've recorded a podcast. Cali is a dog that we're training. If you're following us on Instagram or, or Facebook or any, any YouTube, um, the, the social platforms that we're working off of, TikTok now, we've got a little TikTok video going on. Not very, I, have, I just don't understand it yet, but working on it. But um, we've got these platforms and... We're sharing a story right now, basically real time. Um, it's delayed slightly, and you'll 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 know that because some of the well, no, I I mean, how far out are we when we put when we film a video to post in it within a week or two? Huh? Yeah. So I'm a little behind in the promos. I mean, I'm still posting promos that are still in the snow, so I'm a little bit behind. But um, and that's on our on the other platform social on our social stuff. We have we do promo videos that kind of like give you an insight to what the actual video is. But you're not going to get you're going to get the real information off of YouTube because that's where we're hosting these series. So we've talked about Bella Be Good. Bella Be Good was a series that we did with a dog named Bella. Started her at about ten weeks. I picked her up, um, and then we documented her training through this this January is when she went back. She was about. She was over a year and a half. She, was, she just turned two. Um, she just had a birthday. So pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah, just she, he posted. She just turned two. So um, so she was probably closer to 20 months, probably closer to 20, 21 months when she went home. 
So I had her from 10 weeks through that point. That's how we train a dog for someone. We raise them just like I would my own personal dog. And so when that, when, when the Bella series was finished up basically and posted, um, we moved on to another project. I've got, I've got a lot of projects in my mind. And so we moved on to this next one. This next one we're calling Callie Keep On. And there's a big difference in it. And so the difference is Callie came to us at about 15 months. Um, Callie belongs to a cl- longtime client of ours and friends of ours um, that we've known now for years. My son shot his first deer on their land. My nephew shot his first deer on their land this year. My son did it nine years ago, 10 years ago. So I, it'll be 10 years this year. So I've known them a long time. I've trained several dogs for them. Um, they've become very, very good family friends of ours. And so Callie belongs to them. They got Callie at, at kind of my recommendation. I helped them connect with a kennel. Um, it's called Riverview Farms. They're down in Tennessee. They bought a, they bought a dog from, from Riverview that was started and very well started. And so she came to me. I think they picked her up at, I want to say she was around I'm trying to look at the, I'm trying to think of the numbers now. She was, I thought she was closer to 15 months when she came to me, but she was actually a little bit younger, I think, mm-hmm. um, than I had thought. But either way, somewhere between like 13 and 15 months, um, they picked her up. They had her for a week or two, and then she came to me. And she came to me right around Christmas, um, right, be, right, be, I think it was right before Christmas, actually. And um, she's been with me ever since. And when we, so we called it Cali Keep On. And the, the reason is, is because all we're doing, there's a big difference between what we're doing with her and what we've done with a lot of dogs in the past, especially when it comes to documenting these, these trainings on, on YouTube. She was started already with a really good start, like an excellent, excellent foundation. And, and if you know anything about me, you've heard me preach about how important a foundation is. Whether you're building a building or you're training a dog, the foundation is everything. Without it, it, it doesn't work. It, everything falls apart. So she came in. Now, the thing about her was she had a very good start, but in a different direction than what, what her owners are going to do with her. Ultimately, her owners are, are primarily, I'm not going to say just exclusively, but primarily, they're going to use her as an upland dog. Um, they're they're going to flush with her. They're going to retrieve with her. Will they do some gun dog work? When I say gun dog, I mean like waterfall stuff. Yeah, probably. So she has to have the ability to handle. She has to have the ability to quarter and cast, flush, retrieve, work within range. All these things that are important. Um, you know, obviously picking and, and delivering and all that stuff. So when she came to me, one of the best parts about this project for me has been it's challenged me because I've never taken a dog that was started by someone else and continued on with its training. Um, I've taken some dogs that are pretty young or relatively young, not necessarily little puppies, because I think puppies are real shapeable. We can really form them. Um, they mold real easily. And we can create, early on, we can start to create and point them in the direction that we're looking to do go ultimately with them. So that's the value of having the young ones. The, the downside of that, if you want to call it a downside, is it takes a while. It's, it's significant time. And you can't rush that. You can't accelerate it. You can't make them get older faster. You can't get them, make them be more mature faster. Now, a lot of people that I think that listen to our podcasts are folks that are in the same boat. The idea of you're training your own dog. Same, when I say same boat, same boat as me. Training your own dog. And so you are not a, 
uh, trainer that trains dogs for other people, that has time limits on stuff, that charges by the month, by the week, by the whatever, you have you don't have to deal with that. So that's what I don't either. So when I train a dog for someone, we don't charge by the week. We don't charge by the month. We don't charge by anything based on time. I don't charge based on uh, a point in training. Like uh, I don't compartmentalize skills and go, well, we can do this, this, and this for this, or we can go a little bit more and get this. No, I have a beginning point and then I have an ending point and we all agree on it. And when we get to, when we figure out when we're all in agreement that we're there, and that means the dog, myself and the owner, well, then we're done. And then the dog goes back home. And so, and, and that's just how we do it. It's just how we structure our business. Um, and when, so when I bring Callie in, it's a little bit different because she's not a puppy. And so it's the first time I've been in a position where I have brought dogs in and started dogs that were older than that eight to 10 week old puppy or seven to 10 week old puppy is usually when I'm getting them. I've started them, but it's usually because I didn't have room or didn't have the ability to bring them in right away. And they came in with their owners having them for a while. So I don't consider it like a real well-started foundation. Like they might just be a little bit older and they don't have a lot of mistakes or a lot of problems. Perfect. I'll take that too. But this one was different. And so one of the things that I had to do as a trainer was first I had to figure out how to read this dog and determine where she was at, what she could do, what she couldn't do, strengths and weaknesses, a better understanding of like what it looked like when she did certain things. Um, it, it, it's back to this idea of making decisions on where we need to go, but first determining where we're at. Like that's a real simple way of putting it and probably real point on point. Like when she came in, I spent, and, I, and another thing that we're doing with Callie is I'm writing an article for Gundog Magazine. So I'm writing an article for every issue this year, starting with this first issue. Well, this is this will be, the, I just handed in, turned in my third one. So there have been two articles about her. The first article I wrote about her, I didn't even have her yet. Because I knew when she was coming, but I didn't have her yet and the article was due. Um, obviously, print is way early. So like, I, I turned in something here in April that's going to go to print in September. So like, before I actually had her, the first article was due. I knew I was getting her and we were going to, we had kind of agreed to this series documenting her training, similar to what we had done with Bella. And so I wrote the first article with ever see, without ever seeing the dog. The second article, I talked about how, you know, when she came in, there were some real fundamental core things that we needed to address right away, it had nothing to do with hunting. And it had everything to do with just simply like the experience that she had had prior to. And it wasn't wrong. It wasn't bad. It was different. And so I think what, what, one of the things that we have to realize and recognize, probably in dogs and beyond, is different isn't necessarily bad or wrong. And so when she came in, she had some pretty simple, like I worked on housebreaking. Because when she came to her, her owner's house, the people that bought her, they had accidents with her. As soon as she got there, she was having accidents. And he kind of, I think Tom was pretty surprised at it. And he talked to me about it. And he said, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I said, well, I, explain to me what happened. Well, he said, guys, I take the damn dog out and, and she won't go. I bring her in. She goes on the floor. I said, Tom, it's not the dog. 
that's you, man. And he's like, and he kind of laughed. What do you mean? I said, well, think about it. Like you really, we really changed this dog. This dog came from Tennessee, which is a lot warmer than Wisconsin in December. So who wants to go pee in the, I, like we have a cabin up north. I have an outhouse at the cabin and we recently put septic into the cabin with our, with a latest addition. And so if I ask my kids or my wife, which bathroom do you want to use? The one in the cabin or do you want to go and use the outhouse in December? Nobody's going to the outhouse but me maybe. I kind of like it myself. But it's true, right? I mean, I like it there. But that nobody's going outside to use that outhouse in those conditions. Why would you when you can go inside? Think about this dog. This dog comes up from Tennessee. This dog had a very good life in Tennessee. Like they're, I've not seen their kennels personally, but my buddy did when he went down there to see the dog. He explained it to me. I'd really like to go visit there. It's, it's on my list of things to do. But their setup was very comfortable. It was an out, outdoor kennel, but it was very comfortable for these dogs. They weren't living in the house like they do here with us. So she, this dog, Callie, decides, you're going to put me out there on that frozen slab of ice to go to the bathroom? Why would I do that? She waits. She holds it. Tom gets tired of waiting outside in the cold with her, brings her back in. She has to go to the bathroom. She finds a nice warm spot on the tile and she goes because it feels a lot like what she's used to going on when she's down at the kennel and has been there for a year plus. So it's like, it's one of these things where we, we have to literally start with in the beginning and so people always ask, well, where do I start? My dog's 10 months old. You start in the beginning, regardless of the age. I had to do the same thing. So I had to practice what I preach. I had to do the same thing. I had to start to figure out like how to read this dog. It, it made me a better trainer already. I've learned a lot. I've only had her for a couple months. I've learned a lot already. I'm always going to be able to improve. And I think every dog that I get, I get a little bit more information to work off of. And so that makes me better, I think. And so... That's what we're doing with her. So I, I, I'm reading her. So I'm reading her, reading some of the stuff in the field. I'm reading some of the stuff. And it's been several, well, it took a month before I felt like we were ready to go and start working on some of the things that ultimately we want to do with her, which is pheasant hunting. Like it's going to be a primary thing that we need her to do. She, she's got such good fundamentals, but they're, they're built around the idea of the style of hunting that they were going to do with her. They were going to use her as a quail dog. And when I say quail dog, I don't mean a pointing dog. I mean, you know, the, the, I, when I think a quail dog, I think English pointer. I think southern plantation. I think, um, you know, from a retriever standpoint, I think a wagon dog, a dog that works off of a wagon and makes makes retrieves. Um, even when it comes to flushing, I don't know that I think of a, of a lab so much. I think of a, uh, maybe a, a, a cocker, English cocker, that's going to work the cover and... and dig these birds out of a real good, you know, thick, dense cover that they have down there. We're talking like wild, not, not, not necessarily like game farm quail. We're talking like, like wild plantation field quail. So they had her, they were going to use her as a pickup dog. They were going to use her for retrieving down game. So she was going to work almost exclusively uh, and I, I had this conversation with them. So one of the things I had to do is I had to, after a few weeks with her, I called him. I talked to him. Um, his name was Oren, and he, he had started her training. And so I talked with him. He, was, he, gave, me, he gave me a nice uh, amount of his time to kind of pick his brain, get a better feel for what I was working with, kind of confirm some of the things I thought, 
and then fill me in on the gaps that I didn't understand. And so I found out, you know, this is the style of hunting she was going to do. She's going to work out a heel. Uh, she has not, she had not picked up birds to that point. Um, she had been shot over with a dummy launcher, but not a shotgun. Um, she'd picked up some fresh, she'd picked up some, I think it was warm game, not shot in front of her or even where she was. It was birds that had been shot somewhere else, brought back, and they've made some retrieves with it. So a far, a far stretch from the idea of had been hunting. And so it all made sense based on what I was seeing. Um, first, so I'll back up from the training part. And now I'll just talk about the dog itself, the genetics part of it. Cause that's a big, I think that's 50% of it. I think 50% of it is the dog. I think 50% of it is our influence on the dog. I really think that that's about, that's very, it's, that's pretty close. I think when you look at the end results of a dog as to how it gets to be what it's going to be from puppy to dog, I think it's a split that way. And so when you get, when you stack the deck in your favor, you get, the best on both sides, right? And, and if you've got lacking in genetics or lacking in training, it's hard to overcome that with just the best genetics or the best training because it's only 50% of the equation. So it can only impact 50% of the results. So that it, it, when you start looking at it numbers-wise, it kind of explains why you really want to try to get the best genetics and the best training to match it up. And that needs to be a fit, uh, the best fit for you, not necessarily the best. I don't know that there is a best genetics because some people's best genetics, I don't want to touch with the 10 foot pole. Like some people's dogs that I, some dogs that I think are perfect. I think they're the best. I think they're great genetics. Other trainers will say, I don't want to touch that with the 10 foot pole. So it's, it is, it is preference, but I want to talk about it because it's real important with her. She's probably the most loving I, w- I would use that word. Love's a strong word. I would use it with her. She's probably one of the most strong, the deepest connection type dogs that I've seen. I get connected with dogs pretty quickly, I think, as a rule. There's not very many that I um, that I don't really fall for. Uh, if you've watched our, we did a, a series called Cedar. Um, I don't know what, what we called that one. Golden opportunity. golden opportunity, we called it. There's a golden retriever named Cedar that belonged to my dad. You can look that up on YouTube. My mom and dad had this golden. They had a lot of, they had some issues with her. I took her for a little while. Um, they couldn't stand to miss her anymore, so they took her back probably earlier than what I had hoped. But that is, it is what it is. That dog and I probably, it, she's probably one of the more recent ones in memory that I was like, God, I'm, I'm going to have to, f- I really have to crack the dog. Like I connected with her right away. I loved her. I, 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 I fall for dogs real easily. I got a real soft spot for them. She wasn't as warm. And I knew it one day because I sat in the, in, I, it's a combination of reasons, but I sat in the garage and I sat down on the stoop and I, normally my dogs will come over by me. I mean, he, he just sat down. They're going to come over by me. They're going to sit next to me so that I can scratch their ear or they're going to put their head on my lap and let me, pet them a little bit. And, and this is, this was a real eye opener to me because I sat down and Cedar was on the other side of the garage and she's a busybody. She's a high energy dog. And, and she stopped and looked at me. And at that moment I knew what was going to happen next. It always happens. They come running over, they run over to me and I, I pet them a little bit. And she stopped and just laid down and looked at me like, 
I, I sense this. You don't trust me and you don't care to get that close to me physically or probably like emotionally. Well, when we're talking about Cali, it's the 100% opposite. I've, ben can attest to it. Mm-hmm. There's not a sweeter dog out there. That's genetics. Like I, I think that's part of the dog. That's part of the dog's makeup. It's also part of their environment. You know, the sweetest dog in the world, if you beat the hell out of it, it's not dumb. It's not going to... It, the, here's the thing about dogs. It's great and maybe uh, maybe um, it makes it hard on them, maybe. He, I will say this. You can be the biggest asshole in the world to a dog and they'll still love you. Oh, what a what a gift that is. I mean... To a to a degree, I wish people could be a little bit more like that, and to a degree, I almost, for the dog's sake, wish that they weren't so much like that at times, because I don't think they should love the jerks. So, but that's a different topic. But anyway, I I just feel like this dog is is the epitome of a lover. I mean, she's just super cuddly. Um, she's sweet as can be. Uh, she came with a little bit of a habit that I didn't like. She climb, she'll climb. She liked to climb up on you. Um, it's a cultural thing. I think they do. They do it in Europe a lot. Um, they not only. I don't know if they. I think they do encourage it. I, if they don't encourage it, they certainly don't discourage it. Um, and and I I just see it. I see it with dogs that are imported. I see it with in a lot of. I watch a lot of videos and I watch a lot of stuff um, on trainers that overseas and and it's just it's a more common thing. The dogs they they welcome the dogs up on them. Climbing up, standing up, we couldn't do it here. We can't do it. Um, we've got Lillian. Lillian's two years old. Uh, I have clients that have little kids. We go to schools with the dogs. We do stuff that I just can't tolerate. It's not that they're doing it. They're not doing it intentionally to be bad. It's just they do it, and I can't. we can't allow it. So we had to change that, and, and we did. It t- took some consistency. It took firming up a bit. I was very careful not to firm up with this dog much because she's very, very soft. Um, I will say, I think now some people will hear soft and perceive it as negative. I actually like it. I, I look for it um, because I don't need, I don't want to have to put much pressure on a dog. Um, it's not my nature. I just don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't like um, when I was younger and I worked in construction, I probably was more of the attitude of I, I can physically get my way like with things. Um, that was a different lifestyle for me. And and it wasn't wrong. I'm not saying it was wrong at all. It just didn't match what I really, what felt good. And so um, for me, I don't want to have to put put a lot of pressure on a dog. I don't want to have to be heavy-handed with the dog. Heavy-handed is a really nice way of being an ass, of, of describing being a jerk, in my opinion. I don't want to have to do that. Um, I don't want to... I don't want to be Mr. Softy Sweetie Talky to every dog either. Like I don't. I, I think there's got to be a balance um, with everything, and so I think you have to balance being firm. I think you have to balance being soft. Um, it's the same with my kids. I I don't want to have to barter and and bribe to get them to do things for me, but I also don't want to have to have them be fearful when I walk in the room. Like there's there's that middle ground that I that I'm always searching for. Now, I try to do the same thing with the dogs. With her, it probably is a little bit towards the side of like, and this is what I was going to kind of go with this, is one of the things that I've learned with her is she is 
if there's a mistake made by her, it's not her fault. And so I've probably said that before with, with Bella. Um, Bella was a lot like that. Um, I probably knew that in the past, especially when I was a younger, younger trainer. I probably knew it, but wouldn't admit it. Um, because I didn't want, I didn't necessarily feel comfortable admitting it. And I, I, I felt like I had to be the, you know, the strong leader. And so I wasn't going to be wrong. And I talked to people about being wrong and making mistakes and making mistakes with confidence. Like, not intentionally, but if you do, whatever you're doing, do it as a strong move and, and dogs follow you. And then the majority of the time, hopefully you're making the right decision and they follow you. But if you, if you, even if you're making the right decision and you make it half-assed, dogs read right through that and they go, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. Even though it might be right, you don't, you don't have, if you don't deliver it the right way, I think you, they, you lose their respect real quick. And so this is about kind of getting respect from the dog as much as the dog respecting me. I, I actually think it's a two-way street. I think it's got to be mutual. So I look at it with her and I go, it was real eye-opening to me of the, the mistakes that happen have happened. There aren't a ton of them, but there's some. When it, when it happened, it was because she didn't understand. And the reason she didn't understand is because I didn't do a good job of making it clear. And so in the past and with other dogs, I feel like I've maybe been on the brink of that. And then I decided, no, you're going to do it the way I want you to do it. And that just doesn't work with her. And so one of the things I'm going to take away from her is adopt that more in my training with all the dogs going forward because they're all smart. She's very smart. I think she's pretty intelligent. Um, they're all really smart. They're all more intelligent than I think we give them credit for. It's just that I have to recognize that intelligence and I have to probably be a little more willing to just say, the way you just wanted to do it was wrong. Don't worry about it. Adjust it and then move on and see how that goes. And instead of, and I don't even know that it's me being stubborn about it. I think it's just, well, that's how I always did that. That's, it always works that way. And I, I'm not going to get into it in this podcast because I think what we'll do is I wanted to introduce where we're at, with, what, what we're doing with Callie. Um, not everybody that listens to the podcast listens to or watches our YouTube and our different different social things. So not everybody gets or understands exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to encourage you to watch the series. I don't know, we're all, we're up to about 15 or 16, 16, or 16 episodes that have been posted. I'm going to encourage you to, to watch it. Um, and if you don't, that's fine too. Uh, if nothing else, you'll see a really nice dog. Um, she's, she's a beautiful dog, really a, a good looking dog. But um, you're going to see some things in that series that will become... I think the value of it is to recognize and see the struggles that we have, which you, this is a broken record too. Like a lot of times our series, we don't edit them very much. So essentially we don't edit them at all. And so the, the, the bad episodes, the ones that don't go good are usually the best um, as far as value, I think, that people get out of them. I, I should say that those episodes and then maybe the episodes that we recover from 
the bad episode. Those are maybe the best ones because I try to do my best to explain when it's not going good, my mindset or thought process into figuring out why and then what we're going to do about it. Because we can all sit back and pick the pick it apart. Like it's really, I, I get that. Um, I hear that. I see that. I read that from some people. It hasn't been as bad lately. Um, for a while there, the YouTube keyboard people were just, um, you know, there was a lot of them and they were, they were mean and they were like, we had some really, you know what I think might be, it might be, I don't know, but the people that follow us, some of these people that were making the comments were, um, self-proclaimed trainers, you know, like, and I don't know, maybe they are trainers. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that they weren't and they, but they, they came off or said they were. So I, I have, I'll take it. I'll take their word for it. So, but the comments were, you know, you should have done this. You don't do it that way. This is the way to do it. You shouldn't have done that. And I, I, I used to get, I used to get pretty, I wouldn't say upset, but maybe upset. Like I would, I didn't take criticism real well. Um, I felt like, Hey, fuck, you're getting what you paid for, man. It's free. Like it's YouTube. So maybe you overpaid for it. Like move on. Don't watch it. That, and so I, I do, I did my best to kind of try to respond to that, but I look at it and I go, look, if it is very easy, really easy to watch something and critique it from your lazy boy, like it, it doesn't, it isn't always so clear and it isn't always so easy to understand and it isn't always so easy to respond when you're live in the moment. And I think if people, you know, I, I so I kind of, I kind of made that comment to some people. I said, look, man, it's really easy for you to say that now, but go, keep watching the series. And then you'll see some of the adjustments that I made because I will be the first person to say that not all of the episodes that we show, which are essentially training sessions, go exactly how I would like them to go, or or they don't go necessarily um, as well. That's for sure. Um, they just don't not as planned. Like there's a lot of times where I end up changing what we ended up trying to do going into it. Like I'll just I'll change directions, and we'll end up working on something completely different. I'm a big believer in planning. I think you should plan your sessions out to be efficient and all that stuff. But the reality is, is you can be the best planner in the world. You can have the best outline. You can have the best, make the most of all these things that you are going to adjust and and follow through on. But it's never going to go that way. It just doesn't. Game plans, if you're into sports, you can have good game plans and they can be roadmaps and they can be general directions. But that's all they are. Because in the heat of the moment, when the other team decides they're going to do something completely different than what you game planned for, you have to be able to adjust. And so that's where that's where some of the stuff that we're doing with Callie is. Um, not only are we, not only am I adjusting the game plan in the moment, but I'm actually having to adjust the game plan prior to getting in the field. And the reason is based on the results. We're just not, we just weren't getting the results we wanted to. And so I really feel like we've, we're, we're taking a lot of really positive steps in the right direction now, but it has taken a little while. It's taken some, it's taken some reflecting. 
um, on what what has happened and how it's going and 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 I'll be curious to hear would he, be curious to hear if someone listening to this podcast if they have not watched our series if they watched the series and then what their thoughts are on it because um, I'm maybe making it sound like it's a real dismal you know struggle and oh challenge 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 it really hasn't been it's been a hell of a lot of fun um, we've had our hurdles but we always do. And one of the reasons I do think that this series is going as well as it is, Bella went as well as it did. Um, I, I could back up with every with, with I could back back that train up with naming dogs over the last five years, ten years, fifteen years, and I could I can tell you that it's way more fun now for me. It's just a lot more fun, and. I think it's a combination of reasons. It goes better. Results are better. The dogs seem better to me. I'm making better. I, I'm. Am I making better? I'm make, just making a lot of better choices with stuff. And it's all because of experience. And so when 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 that happens, and I've talked about this before, when you make good decisions, good things happen. When good things happen, it's easier to do them more often because the results are better. And when you do things more often, you get you get better, and you continue to make more good decisions, and then you start seeing even better results, and then you get the point like we just get this momentum going, and so we started talking about workshops, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to think because we did two podcasts today. So in the beginning of this, we started talking about workshops. Those that is part like these little mini series that we do, these little series that we do on these train dogs. These are like a, a workshop is a super ultra condensed version of what a training series is with a dog. They're all unique. They're all different. So is every workshop. Now, the workshop, we've got a general outline that we follow, but it always diverts because of the people that are attending, because of the dogs that are there, various reasons. But the workshops continue to become more and more fun to me. The dog training becomes more and more fun to me. The dogs themselves are more and more enjoyable to me. And so our our hope, so in whatever part of the business you look at with us, whether it's products, whether it's content and information, whether it's dogs, doesn't matter. Hell, I, I've, I've made connections with some people about faith. <laughs> through workshops. I got a message from a lady that was at a, a couple workshops just filling me in on she's going to have, she's got another deposit on a puppy. Her husband is a mechanic. I've got an old 49 Chevy pickup truck that we're th- or a car that he is interested in helping me get running again. Um, her dad passed away. They made a sauerkraut and smoked sausage last year. Like there, that started from a dog training workshop. And quite honestly, I don't even know how they came to the first one, but they came to two. And so we, all of the stuff that we're doing, whatever segment of our business that you're looking at, it re- they really lay over and overlap and mirror the idea of try to improve, try to get better. And then it becomes easier. And when it becomes easier, it's more fun. When it's more fun, you do it more often. Our hope is that that's what we're able to do with you and your dog. 
the person right now that's listening to this that's pulling their hair out because the puppy won't shut up. Be patient. Do a better job of putting the dog on a routine. Be more consistent. Be more repetitious. Like, I could pile a freaking thousand things on top of you right now, but it would overwhelm you. So I'm not going to. I don't want to. I want you to look at it and go, big picture, little picture. You're in a little picture and you're making it into a big picture thing. I can't tell you how... The beauty of me being late on responding to people on questions is this. And it's not why I do it, trust me. But, I'm, but I kind of like it when it happens. I get, I'll get a question. By the time I get to it, it might be a week later. And I'll end up finding it again, going to respond to it and recognizing they sent another message. So in that week's time, in that 10 days time, they sent a second message. And the second message, the one that's latest that I'm responding to is, hey, I wanted to give you an update. I found this, this, and this on your podcast. I found this, this, and this on your YouTube channel. I've got the DVD or the training video digital, and I watched it in this. It all cleared up, and it helped me to understand that this was going to happen, and, and, and now it's a lot better. So disregard my last question. Like, we, we have, there's, I don't do it on purpose, but a lot of times when I respond late to people, I actually think it's the best thing for some people. Because I force them to think and act on their own. I literally have people send me some messages going, I've got a question. I'm sure you've covered it in your podcast, but could you send me the episode? I, 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 my one thought instantly in my head goes, no. You put the work in and listen to them. Like, you, like Ben does a pretty good job of hitting keywords. Search out the keyword and find it. You know it's there, but you're not able to put the work in to sort through 115 episodes to figure out which episode it is. If I hold your hand to the point where, I, hell, do you want me to call you and read it to you? Like, should I narrate the podcast to you? Should I, like, if, I think some people would say, yes, please, I'll take that. Those are the same people that, you can't, that you're just enabling. You're making it so that they are unable to figure stuff out on their own. And I have news for you. In this dog world, you got to figure stuff out. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes trial and error. It takes being able to handle frustration. It takes understanding and recognizing and be happy when good things happen. Like celebrate the victories. I'm all for that. But just don't don't just celebrate the victories. Don't hang your head and be down in the dumps with the blues when things don't go right all the time either. Get somewhere in the middle. The, the more you can stay in the middle, the better off you are. The more you're able to absorb those low spots and the more you're able to enjoy the high spots. But... It's, it's something that I know it's way deeper probably than we were thinking to get into on this one, but I wanted to give you an idea of this Callie and why Callie is making me a better dog trainer. Why is, why is, and hell, this is, you know, how, how can a dog that comes in pre-trained that I'm going to just kind of carry on with wherever she was at, how can that make me a better dog trainer? Some people's feelings would be, well, that's not, there's not a challenge there for you. 
There's not, that's not going to help you become a better. No, it will. Every single dog I touch has an ability to make me better. If I'm willing to allow it to happen and have the humility and the, the, the humbleness to say, I got to learn more stuff. Like I, I know I do. As much as I've learned, it makes me want to learn that much more because I know there's way more out there. And so where are you on that? Where are you with willing to be okay with to say, I got a shit ton more to learn? I, I, I can't tell you how many messages I get from people that tell me how many dogs they've trained. Three. They've had, the, you know, this is their third dog and they've all turned out really good. I, they might have and they probably did. But I'm telling you right now, you don't have to, you do not have to impress me with stuff like that. I'm not impressed by stuff like that. Like it's not, to me, I don't want to hear how much you know. I want to hear how much you want to learn. Because that's me. I want to learn a lot more. I'm trying to surround myself with people that I can learn more from. So that's it. It went a little bit longer this time. Ben's camera died on him halfway through. He'll. I was ready though. He'll dress that up. He, Yeah, he switched the battery there. Nice work, Ben. Nice work. Okay, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Do me the favor, if you're listening to this on a podcast that has a review, please leave the review for us. Um, it helps us greatly with understanding what we're doing good. Helps us with, if you don't like it, it helps me figure out what you don't like about it. Uh, if, it. But what I think more importantly, what it does is it allows us to utilize some of these um, algorithms or whatever you call them that allow it to be recommended to more people. So that's really what we're looking to do is try to be able to help impact more people. And the best way for us to do it is to organically grow. We, we just, we, we don't do tricks. We don't, we don't have a lot of tricks, um, with how we do stuff social media wise. We're just a dumb dog trainer and a college student, but, uh, we're doing our best to try to make it be legit and make it be honest and make it be, um, grown from within so you guys are the key to that and we appreciate your help 